0: people who need people are the luckiest people in the world. And what she was doing is kind of hyperbole in a way, she was not saying that people that uh, just need, but that people who recognize they need people, because a lot of people don't think they need people. A lot of people think they're independent, they're in this world by themselves, they've made their way through life, that they are independent. But people aren't, we are, we're not an island. We are interdependent upon each other. People who recognize that they're the luckiest people in the world. The verse goes on to say we're children needing other children and again, using this kind of language and hyperbole, we're not necessarily we're adults, we're not necessarily children, but yet we act like children sometimes. We, we think that we are independent, we think that we are isolated and we can handle it ourselves, and uh, so that's what she's saying is that we're children actually needing other children. And yet letting a grown-up pride hide hide all the need inside, acting more like children than children. So it's just a way in in, in the song, and you remember the song, Barbara a she has a wonderful voice. and She does a good job with that song. It just reminds us that we are in this thing together uh, and that we need each other. And particularly, uh, the, the New Testament is replete with lots of verses that speak of fellowship of people within the church paul talks about that in romans that we church is one body and yet it's comprised of many members many people and we are that's true here we're one body we're one church we're one fellowship uh but we are many members and we don't have the same function do we? we have different functions and different responsibilities and yet all of those responsibilities are important sometimes in, in First Corinthians, Paul talks about that the body is one, yet has many members. Not all the members are the same. And that I can't say to the ear, I don't have any need of you, that sometimes some members of the body want to exalt themselves or think they're more important than the other. But we are all important. And uh, that, that we're important to, to the Lord. If the if Son of God went to the cross to pay for my sin, that means that to some degree... I'm important in the body, in the church. It doesn't necessarily mean that I am of great worth to me. It doesn't mean that I'm the, the star or whatever. It just means that Christ valued using me and paying for my sin to the point that I am worth something in that sense. Do you see what I'm saying? That's important um, because sometimes we can think that our position in the church is not important. I, I work sometimes at Lowe's uh, as a cashier. And actually, I personally think that's one of the most important positions. I think the your employees are one of the most important uh, assets you have in a company. If you take good care of your employees, uh, your company, they'll help take care of you. And if you have real struggles, sometimes they'll, they'll bend over backwards to help. I realize people are self centered and, and they think a lot of themselves a lot. But at the same time, you want to take care of your people, they can be the great, greatest asset you have. I, I've mentioned in a humorous way that passing church would be easy if you didn't have to put up with people now that's humorous because actually that the church here is very easy to work with because I, I love you guys and i know that you love me and we, we get along real well together and we enjoy each other not just that we get along not that we just tolerate each other but that we enjoy each other we're brothers and sisters in christ and we support each other in that work but the church is comprised of individual members. Paul is writing not only about church people, but about all of his associates. And I personally am of the opinion, in fact, I'm certain of it, that everybody that crosses our path uh, is there by divine appointment in one way or another. It may not be significant, but it can be an opportunity. I remember Roger not? I don't know if you remember Karen Wynott, but I remember Karen and Roger. And Roger Wynot told me one time, he said, when I sit on a plane and I sit down beside somebody, I witness right away. He said, because I've had the chance many times, I've sat down with people. Sometimes I've sat down beside people, and then something happened, and they get up and move somewhere else, and I didn't have a chance to witness to them. So I try to just say one thing, like God's given us a good day, or do you know the Lord, something like that, just to witness. If they don't want to talk about it, that's fine. But just to, to take advantage of that opportunity, I think it's a good idea. Everybody that crosses your path is not necessarily there just to be witness to, but they're perhaps through working your heart, in your life, my heart, my life. You see what I'm saying? That, that God is God is that sovereign. if He controls every molecule and every atom in the universe, and He does. R.C. Sproul says there's not one road rogue molecule in the universe. And he's right. If He controls all of that then a a person a valuable person that God has created and crossing my path is not just an accident bumping into me, but it's somebody that at least is there and it can teach me something I can learn and that it can help me to value people because there are lots of people, to be honest with you, that cross my path that I just take for granted and and uh the people that when you go into a restaurant, you would prefer not to sit next to them. You know what I'm saying? It's just things like that. And yet Christ loves people. God loves people. And so we want, to be, we want to be sensitive about touching people's lives. And so the Bible talks about that, especially in the church. Passages like John 13 talks about that we are in the church and we are to love one another. That doesn't mean love like feeling love. We think of love as an emotional feel. I feel love for my wife, or I feel love for this person or whatever, and I have that emotional feeling. But love, the word there coming from the root of agape love is just more than feeling, it's an action. It's a pursuit to provide for and to protect and to promote that person. And even when you don't feel like doing it, that's that kind of love. Jesus, I know that, what the bible tells us that even while we were yet sinners christ died for us i know that the lord was not happy about us being sinners and living for ourselves and doing our own thing it, was, it wasn't something that made him jump up in down with joy and yet he loved us john 3 16 says that whosoever that god so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son so the church is comprised of many members many is, many that are to love one another, um, he goes on to say in that passage in John 13, 35, that the world will know that we are his disciples if in fact we do love one another. And That, that says something because see, we are all members and every one of us individually have, have our own personal likes, our own personal favorites, our own personal habits. Uh, Our own uh, self centered goals, our own private missions. And so you get all these conflicting individuals together, it's easy for there to be chaos and uh, rubbing each other the wrong way. Do you see what I mean? But in the church, the body of Christ, Jesus is the head of the body. And his spirit and his word is working in our hearts and lives to bring us together, help unify us so that we work together, so that, for example, in Romans 15, 5-7, Paul says, Now may the God who gives perseverance and encouragement grant you to be of, what's this, the same mind with one another, so that you have the same heart, the same mind with one another, according to Jesus Christ. Watch this, not finished, so that with one accord, you may with one voice, Glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, accept one another just as Christ also accepted us with the glory of God. So that we are united together in the body, and we want to, to be joined together with unity so that with one voice, one testimony, one witness, the one thing that we are seeking to do in our lives is not, we're not all conspiring together. Now, let's say you learned this, you learned that. No, but we all committed to Christ. And we're submitted to his lordship and to his word. And so that we have this common thing that we love the Savior. We have that fellowship together. There's that one voice, that one witness. Does that make sense? That one testimony. We want to do that. And so uh, we, that's, that's paramount. The scripture talks a lot about that. It talks about loving your neighbor as yourself. Um, not to be consumed. You can cons- consume each other if you're not careful. Um, be kind to one another. Forgiving each other. Uh, speaking to one another in songs and hymns and spiritual songs singing and making melody that's the overflowed heart overflowing heart singing making melody in your heart to the lord Uh, be subject to one another um in humility of mind regarding one another is more important than yourselves Uh, don't lie to one another bearing with one another forgiving uh, each other Uh, let the word of christ well within you with all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another. So these verses, and this is just a small smidgen, there are tons of them in the New Testament about the relationship that we have in the church with each other, and how we want to have one voice uh, speaking the same voice, same message that glorifies Jesus Christ, that exalts him, that honors him. If he's the Lord of our lives, then that is what that is what we'll do. Now let's look at this this text. We started this text, and we're going to begin the first one here to look that we want to look at this morning. And we probably won't get any further than him is Timothy, and uh, Paul was associated with this young man, Timothy, and he says at the beginning, verse nine, make every effort to come to me soon. So he's talking to Timothy. He's talking about Timothy. He's asking Timothy to make every effort to come and visit him there in that prison, that bank place come and visit me And the first and i don't know where to start these things i i started with the fact that paul refers to timothy and the first timothy chapter 1 verse 2 is my child in the faith that means that he he uh, witnessed to timothy he worked with timothy i i don't know i, I take that means that he was instrumental in helping to become the christ although timothy that paul talks about timothy had really the scriptures had really helped Timothy come to know the Lord, giving him wisdom leads to salvation, his grandmother and mother and grandmother Lois. And so there was an influence in his life and that that was instrumental in him coming. But Paul definitely discipled him. And it was really, really important. Paul poured out a lot of his life in Timothy. A lot of time it takes to do that. I can tell you right now, time is the most valuable commodity I have. I, I, people pray all the time. I to I pray for I pray to use my time wisely. And I still, I waste a lot of time. I waste a lot of time just petting the cats. That's a, just a big distraction. They come around and they want attention. They want attention when I'm studying. That's one reason why I used to go out to the city bakery and study, because if I'm there at the house, they're gonna come up, they're gonna reach up and pull me on the leg or something, and I won't stop and pet them for a minute, and this new sort of thing. They're just, inside. they like attention, they're sweet, I love them, they're part of the family. But if I'm not there, then I can get more study done than if, I, if I'm there with it. My son thinks I'm weak in that area, but that's a perfect right, <laughs> There you go. Um, Timothy, he refers to Timothy in 2 Timothy, chapter 1, verse 2, is my beloved son. That means a son that's much beloved. Paul is very vocal about his relationship with Timothy. He's worked with him. He's discipled him. He uh, calls him my beloved son. He calls him in, uh, in chapter 2, verse 1, my son, therefore, my son, be strong in the grace. So there is this and there are other places he refers to him in the same way there's these many verses and it's just that paul is sitting in prison and this young man that he's poured his life into he's worked with uh, for a long time he's writing him he knows he doesn't have much time left and he's in he's in chains he's in a, a dirty vile place um Chained, it doesn't get they don't come around and, and loosen the chain so we can go down the hall to the bathroom. They have a chain long enough and go over to where they go to the bathroom, it's just it's not a very attractive situation. And he's there and he's thinking about Timothy and he's thinking about the church and the ministry and he's concerned for that. And he's writing Timothy, he's writing Timothy. Most of it is to challenge Timothy to be to step up to the plate and to take seriously the ministry and the work that he has because so much of the church depends upon Timothy's faithfulness. But he's also asking Timothy to bring some things and to come and see him, but he wants to see him real badly. And so he's doing that. And one of the things about Timothy that I think is important is that Timothy, Paul considers Timothy faithful. He calls him, uh, he says, for this reason, and down in 1 Corinthians, talking about Timothy, he says, for this reason I've sent to you Timothy, who is my beloved and faithful child in the lord and he will remind you of my ways which are in christ that's first timothy i'm sorry i'm sorry first corinthians 4 17. Uh, he considers timothy faithful that's a good good trait and that's an important trait and this young man that uh all has poured his life into is faithful is he is trustworthy and uh, he is beloved he's my beloved and faithful child one that i've discipled and he's he's entrusting these things to him, and he calls him faithful. And he's entrusting him with a commission, There's a commission that was given to Timothy by the Lord. And he says in First 1 Timothy 1.18, "This command I entrust to you, Timothy, my son." Again, he calls him my my child, my son. In accordance with the prophecies made concerning you, you that by them you fight the good fight, keeping the faith. In the good He's faithful, he says. I command this command that was given to you by the Lord. I or commit to me for you. Or this command that has been entrusted to you. I entrust to you. I'm laying it out to you. I'm encouraging you, Timothy, in chapter 1 Timothy one eighteen and following, to be uh, faithful in these things. To take this this command, this entrustment seriously. This command that was given to you through the prophecies that were made concerning you. To fight the good fight. Keep the faith to do so with a clean conscience. So it, it, he's, in, he's, he's committing a lot to Timothy there in that church and the leadership of that church. Um, he tells Timothy in 1 Timothy 4, uh, in commissioning the things that are important to the church, Timothy's pointing these out. He said, to point these things out to the brethren, you will be a good servant. You will, he actually use the word for deacon. You will be a good deacon or good servant of Jesus Christ. You being constantly fed or constantly nourished or the words of the faith and the sound doctrine which you've been following. Notice that it continually comes back. You're trustworthy, but you're trustworthy because you're following the word, you're following the doctrine, you're sticking with the sound doctrine. These things that you've heard from me, you've learned and give to others, these are things that are permeating in your life. You are trustworthy, you're faithful. Uh, he says uh, in the, 1 Timothy one three. I urge you upon my departure from Macedonia to remain on at Ephesus, so that you may instruct certain men not to teach strange doctrines. So he's telling Timothy to stay there in the church. This is the first Timothy stay there in the church, so that you can influence and be sure that there are certain men in the church that are trying to train teach strange strange doctrines that you can kind of hinder that you can correct them you can keep them from doing that that's what he's that's what he's talking about And so, certain men not to teach strange doctrines nor them to pay attention to myths and endless genealogies these give rise to speculation, they do not further the administration or the work of christ so you're there you're faithful and because you're faithful i'm asking you to do that to, to take this seriously because you have that responsibility it's important. Prescribe and teach these things. He says in verse five, uh, verse uh, I'm sorry, verse seven of chapter f- first Timothy five. and verse twenty one of first Timothy five, he says, "I solemnly charge you in the presence of God and Jesus Christ and His chosen angels to maintain these principles without bias, doing nothing with the spirit of partiality." So he's he's just working with Timothy. Timothy is a a guy that is faithful he's a mentor he's a disciple i don't want to overdo it but i it's kind of hard to do it because paul places such a high value on this man he's he's a he's a godly man he's a man in fact he tells he, he talks to timothy about things like money in the passage he talks about um the root of the love of money is the root of all evil and in that passage he tells Timothy, there's some things that you're going to want to flee and some things you're going to pursue. And he says, to flee these things, you man of God. He calls him a man of God, which is the Old Testament term for prophet. Uh, you Old Testament, you, you teacher, you, you communicator of the word. Flee these things, you man of God. That, that, that word there, if I were to have a title given to me, that would be an honest title, not just something like, you know, great or whatever you put down yourself. But a real honest title, I, could, I can't think of anything that would be greater than to be called a man of God by somebody like the Apostle Paul. Paul calls him, flee these things, you man of God. leave these things and pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, perseverance, and gentleness. Fight the good fight of faith. Take hold of eternal life to which you were called. You made a good confession in the presence of many witnesses. I charge you in the presence of God who gives life to all things and of Christ Jesus who testified the good confession before Pontius Pilate that you keep this commandment without stain or reproach until the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. So that you get the idea. Paul considers Timothy faithful, he considers him trustworthy, he has a heart for him, and he's very interested and uh, promoting it. And the reason is is because Timothy has a heart and a ministry that's similar to Paul's. Um, He says, for example, the things, he tells Timothy in chapter 2, verse 2, the things which you have heard from me, you've learned from me in the presence of many witnesses, these things entrust to faithful men. He's telling Timothy, you're faithful. You've heard these things from me. You've learned these. You know these things. These things that are part of the teaching that I've been giving you, you take them and you find other faithful men and you do to them what I've been doing to you. You take them and hand these others out to other men. Make sure that they are that you're giving these things to them. He says um now you you followed my teaching, you followed my conduct, you followed my purpose. This is Second Timothy 310. You followed my purpose, my faith, my patience, my love, my perseverance, persecutions and suffering such as happened to me uh, in Antioch and i couldn't even list of persecutions that I endured, and out of them all the Lord rescued me. Here's Paul telling Timothy you follow me, you know me, you know how I respond to these things. I'm asking you to take these things as it said in the previous verse and trust these things these teachings to other men. Find faithful men and work in them and communicate them. It's really important. Why does he do that? Tim? Why does he do that? Because he considers Timothy faithful. In fact he says this in, in Philippians he says, I have no one else of kindred spirit who will genuinely be concerned your welfare. He considers all the people that he knows, Timothy, to be the one that has the heart that's closest to his, that he can entrust this, this responsibility to and commit this thing to. He says, uh, they, the, these other people, they seek after their own interest and not the things of Christ. That describes me many times that I seek my interest, not the things of Christ that bothers me. Thinking, seeking the things of Christ is very, very important. You know his proven worth, that he has served me to the furthest of the gospel, like a child serving his father. Timothy was proven faithful. This has a heart that parallels uh, Paul's heart, his life parallels Paul's life. And so he's entrusting he's to do that. He tells him to continue in the things that you have learned to become convinced of, knowing from whom you have learned them. That's in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 14. So this is Timothy Paul. Very serious about it. He tells him in, in 2 Timothy 4 to focus on one major area, and that's to preach the word. To be faithful in that, to be giving his life to that. You to live it, but you gotta preach it, right? To say that's what you're doing, that's why he's giving that to him. Preach the word to be ready when it's convenient, when it's not convenient, in season, out of season, uh, to reprove, to rebuke, to exhort, with great patience and instruction. Now those things that be listed there, I'm just reading through them, but those things that you're listening there means that when you go through the word, you take the word and you use it by way of application to do things like improving, reproving, um, Exhorting, rebuking, you see what I'm saying? Giving patience and instruction. The word is a, is a is the content of God's truth and God's word. It's not meant to just be doctrinal theological information, but it's meant to be practiced and to impact and to change our lives. Timothy, you're proven, you've seen my life, you know my purpose of my heart. You take that and you prove it in the lives of other people, apply it to the lives of the first of your life, and then the lives of other people. People. Uh, he says, Your life needs to be clear. Have nothing to do with worldly fables. Discipline yourself for the purpose of godliness. That's a, that's kind of almost a life verse for me because it's it's easy to be, uh, lack of discipline, it's easy to be involved in other things. And this one is really, really important to, to put the priority on where they, things belong. Uh, he says in chapter 2, verse 15 of 2 Timothy, be diligent, present yourself, prove to you God as a work. It does not not be ashamed he's talking to timothy all these verses are talking to timothy and about his life and about his work he tells um he tells in, in one of the first verses we looked at with timothy was to kindle afresh the gift of god that he was concerned that timothy might be taking his foot off the gas a little bit backing off just a little bit and so he says kindle afresh sit that light that fire uh put yourself back in the driver's seat don't don't take it lightly that's a when I, yesterday I worked at Lowe's for, uh, I, I, I was down there at the at Lumber. On Saturdays, they started putting down there at 6 o'clock. I go from 6 to usually, three, was a 9 hour, to get an hour break. Well, but the first, when, for the first hour, I have no customers. The second hour, I may have one or two customers. And so I'm sitting there um, on that stool with nothing to do but talk to the Lord about it. And that's a good thing, because I, I really, I really enjoy that, and I really appreciate that the Lord is able to meet me there. And I have that privilege of coming before His His presence. I you talk to people. People say they have an audience with the President. That's good, but I have an audience with the Lord of the Universe, and I I actually can come before the throne of the Universe in prayer, even there in that stool by the cashier, by the register, and talk to the Lord about the things that He's doing and the fact that He's interested in me. And working in me and helping me with my time, my temper, and my attitude, and my patience, and my love for people, uh, and my concern for finances, and my work with the church, and the, the scriptures that we're looking at all of these things that cross your mind and stuff. It's just good that he's involved and he's there. Do we have that relationship? You see what I'm We have that relationship, and uh, he kind of has that sort of thing with Timothy. He's talking with Timothy. And um, he's just telling Timothy to uh, be presenting yourself as a workman. You don't need to be ashamed. Handling accurately the word of truth. And to kindle the the gift that God has given you. I'm bringing verses together, mixing them up a little bit, because they both touch on things like that. Uh, that gift that will give you by laying on hands. Keep that gift going. Keep that relationship strong. Um... He says in, uh, Paul tells Timothy how to conduct himself in the church. When he's talking about the church, he tells Timothy, you're working with the church. You need to know this. Um, know how to conduct yourself in the household of God, which is the church of the living God. It's the place where the, the scriptures are supposed to support the truth. He talks about that in the Second Timothy 3.15. Um, you're working with the church. You need to know how to do that. You need to know what, that, what those things are. So. That's important. you deal with the church. You're working with the church. You're working with people in the church. And so you need to do that. So here's here's Paul. And Paul is in this very uncomfortable, probably exposed, maybe cold, I don't know, damp, uh, very uh, chained and dirty circumstances. He probably has a couple of other roommates that chained to other places in the wall and stuff. And But uh, they, they're, they're talking and he's writing to Timothy. And uh, I don't know how long he's been there before he writes him, but he, he's been—he's gone to had one testimony, one witness standing before the Caesar, and all of his uh, witnesses, and those that could defend him, there was nobody there. That, that him, nobody there that appeared on his path. and uh, so he's—he's uh, he's there kind of alone, and so he's safe in the church, and so he's writing Timothy, and he remembers Timothy. He tells Timothy in uh, verse one, verse four of chapter one of Second Timothy, "I'm longing to see you." I desire I really desire to see you. I want to see you. You're my beloved son in the faith. I work with you and you meet you're important. And I want to see you. I can remember your tears uh, and I can remember the the party that we had and how hard it was for us. And I want to see you. I will be filled with joy. It will just touch my heart to see you. And so uh he comes to the text that we're in this morning. Make every effort to come to me soon. I want you to do it. I want to see you.